0: 21cl radio you're listening to the run your life podcast with host andy vasin I am very happy today for a couple reasons, and and let me explain what those reasons are. First of all, it is my birthday today. It's January 23rd, 2016, and 48 years ago today, (laughs) I was born. That's the first reason why I'm very happy. The second reason why I'm very happy is that I have a very special guest on my podcast today. Uh, Somebody who I've been very close with over the past 20 years, and it's my lovely wife, Neela. Um, I've actually brought Neela on the the show today, not as my wife or friend, but more of a guest, uh, to speak about her experience with mindfulness, because I think mindfulness plays a very powerful role in everything that we do in our our personal and professional lives. And it, it was Neela who actually really got me to embrace the power of mindfulness. So um I'd like to introduce Neela. Uh, you can find her on Twitter uh, under the username at Neela Steele as well she blogs at mindfulandpresent.com. So Neela? Say hello to everybody.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: So I'm I'm happy that she has agreed. She she feels a bit awkward doing this interview because it's being um, it's being done more uh, of a ge- uh, as a guest as opposed to being my spouse for eighteen years. So um, I guess what we'll first start off with is, uh, Neela, why don't you talk about your background with yoga, firstly, and then maybe move into what you do with mindfulness. I think,
1: for me, mindfulness kind of evolved out of my yoga practice. And I've been teaching yoga now for 15 years. And I love the story about how I was so determined to study yoga. And uh, I was pregnant with um, our second son, Ty. And I said to Andy, I want to go and study yoga, I want to become a teacher, and I'm gonna do it on my maternity leave. So... I wasn't
0: very impressed, was I? No,
1: no, but I was incredibly determined. And I started reading stories about women who had taken their kids camping and all these adventurous places on their own. And I thought, I can do that, I can do that. So I took our two-month-old son, Ty, and our 22 month old son Eli on I, it
0: I remember dropping you guys off at Hiroshima station we were living in Japan at the time and I was so opposed to her doing this but I knew that she was it meant a lot to her and I just had to give in to it despite my fear of you know having her go off to Bali Indonesia Bali uh, on her own with the two boys but I'll never forget seeing them get on the um, speed train uh, and the doors closing and it became very real that you were in fact leaving for six weeks.
1: And I remember that moment as well because the doors closed on the Shinkansen and I had a moment where I thought, oh my God, what am I doing? But um, I went through that experience and I went through my teacher training and I'm so happy I did. And it's it's from the yoga practice and the meditation and chanting that uh, I discovered mindfulness and more about mindfulness practices.
0: And I think what you do now, you do kind of a a a fusion of of mindfulness and yoga together. Um, So why don't you talk a little bit about um, your work at Nanjing International School in regards to how you share um, yoga and mindfulness.
1: Well, yoga started as um, an after-school club, but as a teacher, I'm always infusing elements of yoga into, into my lessons, into the classroom, outside of the classroom. Uh, so yoga for the teachers started as uh, a service I provided for the teachers once a week, and we do a yoga class. And within that class, we have some meditation practices. And uh, we have a joke at school because uh, the class starts at 4.30. So it's, it's this mad rush in the change room to hurry up, get changed, and relax. So we always joke and say, hurry up, it's time Let to relax.
0: Have them settle into their mats after a long day of work. Yes. Yeah, I love it. Um, you know, and again, I've been with yoga on and off over the years, and, and you've been my biggest supporter with that. And, and when I've done yoga consistently in the past, there's no question that it has helped my athletic performance. So when I was playing competitive golf and uh, competitive football, it really did play a powerful role, but I would let it slip away. And and I remember that you would, you wouldn't get upset, but you would keep reminding me about the need to do yoga, um, which is obviously, you know, has so many health benefits. But um, I guess you just kind of let go of, pressuring me to to keep up with it and I, I refound kind of my my drive to, yeah. to do it again on my own which is important cuz if you take on something like yoga or mindfulness it really has to be you have to be intrinsically motivated to practice it with regularity
1: Definitely definitely it's it's I think we're more motivated by the aches and pains that appear and then wanting those to disappear so just maintaining the flexibility that
0: you already have yeah so you were saying something about um, using yoga in the classroom can you give the audience listening there may be one person there may be 20 I don't know but who's ever listening can you give them some ideas um, how you infuse uh, let's just look at yoga not mindfulness aside but how you infuse yoga into what you do in the classroom
1: Sometimes I'll notice that the kids have been sitting for 20 minutes or more, and you can start to see some of the kids, perhaps in all their nonverbal body language, kind of tuning out or just needing some movement. So we might do something as simple as if we're sitting on the carpet, I'll say ninja position, and we'll take notice of our spines and we'll stretch up a little higher. We will also um, do some, some exercises with rubbing our palms together to create energy in the palms or we'll take a pencil in between two palms and rub them together. Um, we'll also stand up and stretch our arms up towards the ceiling. We might interlace our fingers and stretch our bodies over to the right and the left and getting some long stretches
0: there. And these, things, these there. things don't take very long. That's that's the thing. And, um, I've seen you do it many times in the past but it might only be 45 seconds or, or 90 seconds yeah
1: I mean we'd like to take we like to take anywhere from a minute to three minutes yeah yeah and it's it's I initially started practicing it because I thought oh I need a little bit of a stretch so it was first for me and then I saw the benefits that the kids were having when they did it
0: um and then the after school club with the teachers I mean you can see the 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 um, The teachers after a long day of work, you know, they. I think they really, and I've gone to that class a number of times, not as much as I I should, but uh, definitely see the benefits of after a long, hard day of work, just kind of settling into your mat and just committing to, I I guess, take care of yourself for that one hour, and that's kind of what you say to teachers. Uh, It's just as important to, to take care of yourself as it is your students, right?
1: Definitely. Definitely.
0: Yeah. So, what about um, now mindfulness? You know, when did you really begin to embrace kind of mindfulness and begin to really take the time to learn as much as you can about it?
1: I think about four or five years ago, I started really looking into the benefits of mindfulness. And again, it was something that I tried to embody myself before. I shared it with my students. Um, I'm not the most patient person, so that was something that I wanted to work on. I'm chuckling a little bit (laughs) as she says that. And there were certain personal things I wanted to work on. That's mostly, it it stems from the patience and those everyday annoyances and how you react. So, yeah, definitely about five years ago. um, And starting to integrate it into the classroom again it was just a one minute okay let's all pause let's
0: go back to how you started with mindfulness yes and how you took it on personally so just take a step back and and talk about some of the things i guess that you began to embrace and put into practice on a personal level with mindfulness
1: one of the habits I tried to practice was uh, an eight-minute meditation every morning.
0: That was a book you read, wasn't it?
1: That was uh, Victor DeVish, I think, and uh, it's an eight-minute meditation, and he gives um, several different exercises, all of them comprising of eight-minute meditations that guide you. So I started with with that, and. Tried it in the morning, and I'd set. Uh, at that time, I wasn't aware of any any apps, so I would set my timer for eight minutes. And one of the things I did was because I like to have my eyes closed when I meditate. I took my phone and I recorded my own voice of the scripts from the eight-minute meditations, and that way I could listen to my own voice guiding myself, so you're speaking to yourself as Absolutely. you guided
0: yourself through these activities. Um, and that is the eight-minute meditation by Victor Davich. So that was that your first mindfulness book?
1: Um, I can't say that that was my first book. I mean, I remember reading The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, but I wasn't so—I didn't have so much buy-in when I was reading Eckhart Tolle. But now I go back to that book often.
0: What were some of the biggest struggles that you experienced? Uh, when you first started practicing mindfulness?
1: Oh, definitely um, hardwired to be distracted. Um, uh, the boys were younger than finding a private space in our house. Um, the discipline to to the discipline to just sit.
0: How you know? I, I've made a big mistake here because I'm assuming that everybody listening to this already knows what mindfulness is. So why don't we take a step back and um, define, so you know, lots of definitions of mindfulness out there, but how would you, Neela Steele, define mindfulness?
1: Well, I'm, I'm going to refer to Jon Kabat-Zinn's definition of mindfulness, and that is paying attention in a particular way to the present moment, the now. And that's without judgment. And that's probably the hardest the the hardest observation to make
0: because you have these emotions that you're experiencing and these thoughts and it's so easy to judge them definitely and john kabat zinn what book did he write
1: uh wherever you go there you are he has he has several he's on
0: twitter as well i've seen him on twitter and yeah he's done some amazing stuff with mindfulness um so so where to say that again Um, oh so
1: you asked me about um okay the definition so so my my own personal definition of mindfulness is it it is about awareness definitely the power of your your breath to allow you to drop into the moment being aware well i know i'm i'm repeating the awareness but it's it's trying to pause in the moment without ruminating about the past and not being anxious about the future. And I say that the breath is connected to <coughs> mindfulness because it's a reminder and it works for me. It's an anger. That definitely. Yeah. And, and it works for me reminding myself, take a deep breath and being aware to my own reactions and my own thoughts and aiming and striving to also be very present to those around you.
0: And teaching, you know, there's no question. I know every single teacher listening to this will understand completely that teaching is a very emotional thing. I mean, you're experiencing so many emotions, both negative and positive, and and different energy levels and all of that. And, and just from what you've taught me about mindfulness is that um, the importance of, of pausing and, and taking that, that breath you know and because it really does calm you in that moment where it could be potentially explosive and it allows you you know the old saying that um, when you're angry take take 10 deep breaths or whatever but there's a lot of lot of truth to that and there's a lot of neuroscience to support the idea of the calming effect of the breath definitely as well so um can you talk now a little bit about how you have embedded mindfulness with your students
1: um the times that i implemented in class are when we have morning circles in the morning and um it might be it might be standing up to practice tree pose and just connecting with our breath. Which is a
0: yoga pose, right? A balance. posture. It is, posture, yep, yeah.
1: standing up. And um, the other ways we do it, we call balloon breath, and that's placing our hands on our bellies, um, the physical touch on your belly. You imagine that your belly is a balloon, and when you inhale, you inflate, and then when you exhale, you deflate.
0: So they're fully fully Using their,
1: their entire lung capacity and awareness that, that they're breathing um, usually I say breathe into your back and create this spacious breath.
0: I remember you saying as well, like the idea of, with balloon breath, the fingers on the stomach and then wanting to get the sensation that your fingers are spreading out yes, as you yes, take that deep yes, breath in.
1: Yes, and you're creating that that space in in the belly, in between the ribs and um, all the way up into, into the throat. And the, the kids are great.
0: And... Um, there's a three-part breath as well yep that that's uh
1: you would start by breathing into the belly and then you move the breath up into the rib cage and then you move the breath all the way up into the throat and then uh, that's definitely focusing on the entire lung capacity so they breathe in as much as you can and then you almost pause and then you exhale completely emptying the lungs i try to get How long the kids do you do to it for? Uh, we we would just take about probably a, a minute and a half to do that
0: and it's easy to see we do like the six calming cycles effect isn't it
1: definitely i ask the kids in the morning uh, an easy assessment where the kids come in in a circle i just get them to show me with their hands Their energy balls. So all the kids will say, what's your energy like right now? So with their hands, they can cut them together and show me that their energy is really low or their arms might be outstretched. And immediately I can just look around within 30 seconds and see where my kids are at and what their energy levels are and have an indication of how their mornings went.
0: Which is such an important way to start the, the day for sure, right?
1: Yeah. And then after... After perhaps one minute of the balloon breath, we might go around in the circle and just say one word to describe how we are feeling after right. our practice of balloon breath. Yeah.
0: And um, I'm, I'm just trying to think about something here with um, oh, visualization. So visualization is a part of mindfulness as well. And... I think you've you've done a, a ton of visualization with the students uh, that you, you know that you teach as well. You've you've been uh, you've gone into other classrooms as well, right? And use visualization techniques. So, can you describe a couple of the visualization techniques that you might employ with 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 the students that you teach and when you go visit the other classrooms?
1: Uh, well, I, I one. One of my favorite moments last week was I was working with a grade five student who needed to practice lines for um, production that's coming up at NIS. And um, this little boy said, oh, Ms. Neal I already know my lines. And I said, okay, well, this one student is really open to mindfulness practices. And I said, okay, let's do a guided visualization. So, this child has a major role in the production and we i had him lay down on the carpet i have some eye pillows that i offer for the kids and i also have some lavender oil so what
0: is the lavender
1: the uh the lavender oil is um it's kind of calming it it yeah the scent is very calming lavender and the kids love it i rub their temples and i put a little bit of oil i always ask them I say, do you mind if I do this? Would you like this? They always have the option to refuse it. Some kids don't want it. Yeah. So with this student, we used guided visualization, and I asked him to see himself on stage, his body position, his breath, to be aware of his breath, to look at his fellow actors to to note when his cue was to speak and i packed in as many sensory images in his mind as possible and i took him through
0: th- from his own perspective
1: yes right so he was watching himself as an audience member right. on the on the stage so that
0: was the first angle yes
1: yeah. and then the, the second angle was he himself on the stage looking out at audience members Pausing, allowing them to laugh and react. And I continued to say to this student, imagine this as if it were true right now. See yourself as vividly as you possibly can. And this was a 12-minute exercise.
0: And then you, you also, I remember you telling me the other day about that, then you also... And do that third perspective of looking at himself from backstage. Yes, yeah, right? I
1: forgot that. Yeah, yeah, so he was he was watching himself backstage as well. So we we actually incorporated three different angles, and I I say the three different angles because I got this idea from the golfer Jack Nicklaus. Thank you, yeah. Jack Nicklaus, who said that he never visualized. He he never took a shot,
0: even in practice.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And he also talked about the three different images that he saw.
0: Which were?
1: Uh, One was uh, he saw himself creating this swing. He saw himself um, completing the swing and the trajectory of the ball and how it would land up high. And then he also, I think from from the crowd, he saw a full version of himself as if executing he was
0: from, from the crowd the gallery looking at him hit the ball
1: yes and and seeing himself execute the swing that he wanted to land it right on up high on the green
0: yeah and i think this is a good point to transition over to um the idea uh, you've you've presented mindfulness and sport visualization right mm-hmm. um or mastery in sport and visualization or whatever Um, You presented that workshop in Munich last year. That's right. At the the, um, ECIS conference, the European Council of International Schools conference. You presented the same, uh, almost the same workshop at at the National Institute of PE. Yes. So it's a really good time to transition over to the power of of visualization in, in PE and sport. I mean, it's massive, and what I got from you a couple years ago when I started to see how you were using visualization with your students, um, and you just began to look at uh, mastery in sport and visualization, Um, I actually tried it out with my, I was the high school coach for the girls' soccer team. Yeah. Yeah. (coughs) And there was a big tournament at our school, uh, end-of-season tournament, and our team had won all of the games throughout the tournament. We were going into the playoffs, but we had been in that similar situation in, in the season before. And then they, they played atrociously in the playoffs and, and lost out, and they were devastated. So I used that moment before our quarterfinal playoff game, and I had the girls sit in a circle. And there was about, I think there must have been about 18 of them. And I t- totally went through a, v- a visualization thing. And I I just went step by step and just kind of uh, took them through what the game would look like. Yeah. And I asked them to visualize the trophy, the, to keep the trophy in sight.
1: I think you even said, feel the trophy in your hands as yeah. a group holding it
0: up. I think I remember yeah. you saying that. Yeah. Um, so... The feedback that I got from the girls they, was that it absolutely allowed them to focus on what they had to do and just stay focused. And then I did another visualization in the, in the semifinals and then before the uh, championship game, which we ended up winning 2-1. And uh, the girls, at first, they admitted that it felt a bit corny going through this visualization. Mm-hmm. But within a few minutes, they settled into it and they really found the power in it.
1: I think... I want to add to that, that athletes, it's so important, um, for those athletes who have experienced being in the zone that you are so present to the moment and it's almost like a slow motion. You can see everything happening. You're not, you're not ruminating and going over a past error that you may have committed the last game and you're not sprinting three steps before you've even swung at the ball. So you are completely, in that moment, self-aware and aware of what is going on in your environment.
0: Yeah. Um, why don't you tell everybody the story that you share in your workshops about Michael Phelps? This is a great story.
1: Um, he was um, he was about 10 years old, I think. And uh, his longtime coach, Bob Bowman, shared with his mother that he needed to go through some progressive relaxation exercises. So I believe that she started with those and she started every night to help him relax at
0: night. And then was he diagnosed as having ADHD or something? I I believe so. Hyperactivity. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and that's how he started swimming to get rid of the excess energy. But then from the progressive relaxation, it progressed into guided visualizations again. And so he not only had guided visualizations that focused on success, but they also focused on what if this went wrong or what if that went wrong. So, one of the ways he programmed himself was by um, planning for the fact that if his goggles fell off or they filled with water, uh, his coach again would practice and they would practice in um, a dark pool. And so, it was to the point that he knew how many strokes. The angle of his arm. Um, when Exactly, when
0: he had to turn. Yes, yeah. yeah.
1: So everything, and this was in case of his goggles falling off. And I guess that happened in the Beijing Olympics. And he, he just plugged that visualization in. He already knew what to do. He wasn't stressed at all because he was calm and he was with his breath. And he had played that over in his mind over and over and over again. His goggles actually fell off. They did, yeah. Yeah. And so I think he even had a world record. Yeah, I think yeah. he did, yeah. Yeah. So, so he that broke was the world record. Yes. And
0: because he had visualized, gone through that experience of not he, having his goggles and all of these different He already
1: had that in his repertoire of yeah. like what to do. And the other thing I like about Michael Phelps is he too also incorporates two angles. When he visualizes one is obviously when he's in the pool himself and the other is watching himself on the stand So if you are going to create a visualization for your team or for an athlete that you're coaching Then you want to incorporate, you know, two to three angles and uh, again packing in all the sensory Information that you can
0: yeah, and I think this could be very applicable in PE as well when we when we look at um When you're preparing kids for for a unit or the skills required in a unit you could potentially do a two minute visualization Mm -hmm, or a three mm -hmm. minute visualization of themselves executing the required skills that they're expected to learn
1: definitely definitely All, all anything for performance whether you're in pe or arts or drama
0: yeah so let's let's get a little personal here with the audience because we actually employed mindfulness. Um, I'll give a little bit of backstory, and then you can you can talk a little more about it. But um, we were in a very stressful situation a couple of years ago. Um, we had been in Thailand for the whole summer, mm-hmm. and we uh, we spent six weeks there with the boys. And we returned to China, and uh, we received our first salaries of the year, Um, and we we were meant to transfer that money over to Canada so that it was out of our account.
1: Well, can I say what happened was uh, we had arrived after the summer, and I went to go pick up some... I went to go pick up like milk and eggs or something and I went to go use my debit card and I knew that we had just gotten paid and um, the local store that I go to, the the man I was um, checking out with, he said, oh, Neela, you, you have no money in your account. And I said, oh, that's impossible, Gordon. I, have, I just got paid. And he said, well, no, there's no money. So I went home and I told you and you just kind of dismissed it like I had taken the wrong card. And I was like, oh, okay. So then the next day, I went to go check my balance, and it was at zero. And then you checked your balance, and it was also at zero. And this is when we raced to the bank to figure out what was was going on. And
0: we quickly found out that we had $26,000 drained from from our account. So our cards had been copied, our PIN numbers compromised. So we were suddenly in this situation knowing that all of the cash that we had in in the bank here in China um had been stolen yeah without us being aware of it until that moment
1: and when we went to the bank they even um they even sort of accused us of being in on this sophisticated crime so and this being China where it happened we already had many friends and colleagues saying, look, this is China, you won't get your money back. It's going to be a long fight. So that I remember that week being very dark. Yeah. And so, yeah, why are we telling you this story? Um, I think one of the misconceptions about mindfulness is that it's about positive affirmations and always putting a smile on your face and it's about bliss and relaxation. I mean, those are some of the benefits of mindfulness, but that's not what it's about. It's about being present to what is. So when Andy and I had to go through several meetings where the panel on the other side was either, you know, two lawyers, four bank managers, two translators, our lawyers, and we basically had to sit through long meetings delving into sensations of discomfort and our reactions of anger and frustration this is when we really plugged in our mindfulness strategies
0: and and the breathing and and,
1: yeah I remember one day another thing that we had to do was they wanted us to calculate all the money they gave us they gave us transaction records of our both our bank accounts and we had to go through each time the thieves had taken our money out and we had to calculate the total amount of money stolen. It, it hurt so
0: much when <laughs> we were calculating so it. What, so what we, how did we flip So it?
1: what we did we exactly, we flipped it and we pretended that it was money being returned to us because it going down that route of oh they took out 500 oh they took out another 500 oh they took out another on the next day so they they just went in and siphoned off everything and drained both our accounts as we said it was it was like $26,000 yeah, and I remember
0: Canadian. I remember how devastating that feeling was of calculating our losses and when we flipped at the moment we flipped it and we pretended that each amount that had taken out was actually a check that was given to us and that we were receiving it and it just kind of changed our perspective but again um, just that idea of just just flipping your thinking and and mindfulness allows you to do that Um, so I guess we will um, what why don't you share some of the books that don't you we, you have we read? Don't we
1: want to share that we got all the money
0: back? Yeah, we did actually get all the money back, <laughs> which was a beautiful thing. Um, what was your question? Um, why don't you share some of the books that you have that have really helped you to mm, develop a, a deeper understanding of mindfulness?
1: Uh, one of the books that I use in education that I love is by Amy Saltzman and. Um, it's called a still quiet place and it, the whole book is basically a mindfulness program for teaching children and adolescents. And, uh, it has several lesson plans. It's got great, um, acronyms and numerous, numerous lessons in there that you can either follow through or you can just pick and choose certain lessons. Um, so that's
0: A Still, Quiet Place by Amy Saltzman. Okay.
1: And then one of the other books that I like is Mindful Teaching and Teaching Mindfulness. And I think that's by, oh, I'm, Deborah I'm David. Yeah, well, I'm going to butcher her middle name. Deborah, how would you say that? Schoberlin. Schoberlin. Okay. Deborah Schoberlin David. And uh, that is Mindful Teaching and Teaching Mindfulness. And that's pretty much a guide for anyone who teaches anything. And that, too, you can pick and choose. And the third one is, I can't remember the third one. Uh, The one I just picked up that I haven't fully read yet is The Mindfulness Habit. And that's by Kate. Skandra. Skandra. Yes, I have it right in front of me here. Six weeks to creating the habit of being present. There's loads right now, I believe. Uh, the other, the other one I love is um, again by John Kabat-Zinn and his wife Mila. Uh, they have Everyday Blessings: The Inner Work of Mindful Parenting. I think I think that I think start with one book, and um, instead of reading it and saying yeah yeah, just read it. Try out one of the strategies or the exercises. I mean, if you're If you're completely new to mindfulness, one of the ways that you can practice mindfulness is by taking your favorite song, play that song, allow yourself to breathe fully, and just listen, be in the moment listening to that song. It's a simple way to begin your mindfulness practice. And and start with what you can achieve. if, If at this point you already have a mindfulness practice and you practice an hour a day, then continue with that if you're somebody again completely new and you want to start it out then start with 1 3 minutes uh finding a little well, I had
0: they tell them about the Headspace app.
1: Yes, Headspace app. Well, you're using it right now. I you're just
0: I, she committed myself to doing the 10-day challenge which is 10 minutes a day for 10 days. And um, the f- the founder of Headspace is Andy Andy Padukomi? Yeah, yeah. Who's on Twitter as well? Um, and the other he's, one? he's got a great voice, and he really takes you through it. He's very patient in his voice, and um, he
1: has great animations as well. If you're sharing it with your kids, your understanding what yeah. One of the, is. one of the other ones I like from from his. It's a two minute video, and it's um, I think it's called Blue Skies, but it basically asks you to note the weather patterns in your head and I recently did with this this with my kids and I was so surprised and it's so insightful because you have kids coming to school at eight o'clock in the morning and they're telling me that their weather report is dark clouds and thunder
0: and how they personally feel at yeah moment.
1: and then and then I asked them well how they how do what's their weather report like at break or at lunchtime or when they're doing something they love if they're in design um without a doubt it's a good
0: way a little self-check to check in on how, how they're feeling right
1: right right yeah. and 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 without a doubt it, it's john rinker's design class where they all say it's sunshine and rainbows yeah, yeah. that's because they get to play with lego yeah <laughs>
0: um <clears throat> i like the the headspace app it's the fourth day and and uh, the video the animation shows uh the idea that that when you start doing it, and I can attest to this actually happening because it it happens all the time still uh, when I do it, and I try to settle into this quiet space, but then all these these thoughts fill my head, and I remember always fighting the thoughts because I didn't want to, I just wanted to clear my mind, so it was a constant struggle to get rid of these thoughts so I can calm myself, but what uh, Andy... Patakomi,
1: Patakomi, Patakomi
0: Padukom- yeah. says is that you know, you, no, you you don't. You're sitting on the side of the road. You're letting these these thoughts come to you and just letting them pass by as if they were traffic. And in that animation, I think it's the fourth day of the ten day challenge. Um, it's a cool animation about somebody trying to control a horse. They have a, a horse on a rope and they're trying to pull it in and what andy andy pedicumi says was uh, said in that animation was no, in fact you you need to just imagine that horse on a long loose rope that's free to roam around right right yet it's still on the rope so you still have that element of control there but you don't have to fight it so wouldn't you say that it's it's about as you say not judging these thoughts and just letting them come and go as they do yeah,
1: and just, just make observations, neither before nor against any of your, your thoughts. Try to let them... Uh, one of the common visualizations that you hear in meditations is just let them float up in the air, either like a cloud or like a balloon, as long as you're not attached to them. Just notice them and then let them come and then let them go. I wanted to also recommend Terra Brock's Website. She has loads of free talks and free practices, so that's especially Tara-
0: Brock B R A C H. Right. So Tara Brock. Yeah. What do you know? Her website is it just Tara Brock? It's, it's her name. Okay, yeah. Okay, Yeah.
1: And and we we discovered her from the Tim Ferriss podcast, which is something that we that's probably our number one podcast we love listening to from yeah. the Four Hour Work Week. I think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, okay, well, I'd like to um, probably close this down now. Okay. Um, We're just under 40 minutes here, so one last piece of advice for your audience.
1: Now I feel the pressure. My last piece of advice is pause purposely throughout your day, take three breaths, and just check in with you. How are you feeling? Check in with uh, Body Sensations, and take those three breaths fully and completely. Happy birthday, Andy Vasley hey, What a pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: We're actually in a pub right now, <laughs> so we've recorded uh, this whole podcast in a pub, and uh, people are just starting to come in. It's 5 p.m. It's happy hour, so this place is going to get busy now. We came before happy hour. Um, I'm enjoying this Duval beer with you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Again, you can find Neela under the username at Nila Steele on Twitter. As well, you can check out Nila's um, website, uh, mindfulandpresent.com. Thank you very much. I hope you can uh, begin to practice a little bit of mindfulness.
1: Strive to be well.
0: Thanks for listening to the Run Your Life podcast by Andy Bassman. To check out show notes, get some more information about Andy as well as his guests, head to our website, 21clradio.com.